And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Number 496. On our way to 500 episodes, which is coming up on December 30th. We're that close. We're that close to Christmas. Where did the year go? Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for being here. My name is Jason Hunter, the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. I will apologize ahead of time. I am not 100% today. I have been... uh, I have been doping up on Theraflu, and let me say for the record that elderberry honey-flavored Theraflu is neither elderberry nor honey-flavored. It's just... uh, All right, give a shout-out to everybody who is listening to us on podcast platforms around the world. We do have people listening to us in Iran, Canada, France, Poland, Germany... Australia, Good to have all of you with us. I do want to invite you to check out the live video every now and again. We do broadcast live to Facebook, Odyssey, and YouTube. At least for now. That may change in 2023. We may start broadcasting to Rumble. And I just ran across an article today talking about the possibility of broadcasting live podcasts. So sending our signal live to our podcast players. So we'll see what happens there. So I don't know. Uh, the chat is open. You can always leave a comment. Uh, you can send an email live from the bunker at the sci-fi for me.com. And I tell you, you know, it, it's probably it's probably good timing ish. Maybe that I'm right now I'm fighting bronchitis and sinusitis and the doctor is in the house. Jen Finelli is back. And Jen, I, I got to say, when I started looking up the last time that you were on here, I was thinking that it was a few months ago. It has been two years to the month that you've been on this program. We, we've, got to, we've got to remedy that and not, not take so long the next time you get on here. Welcome back. It's good to see you again. I'm so sorry you're not feeling well and that I, the Theraflu tastes terrible. Well, it's, you know, I, it's better, it's better than Asbron. I'll say that. And, and those of us who are of an age will probably remember that green, terrible, there was Asbron, there was Quibron when I was a kid. Those were the worst. Uh, I mean, they've, they've been replaced since, but I still... I still shudder to think about them. So anyway, all right. So I'm, we're going to muddle through this. Hopefully I'm not going to uh, cough up a lung or anything. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll make it through. So how you been? Uh, with some health problems, but it's perfect because we're going to talk about suffering and transformative fiction so we can be, be suffering together. I'm actually undergoing a new um, therapeutic treatment where they put a big thing on my head and shoot magnetic, magnetic rays into my dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex because I've had some, um, I, for those of you who don't know, I'm a physician who used to be a military physician, and I got out of the military um, with significant chronic pain and PTSD. So, like, I woke up this morning just wanting to stab someone because I was in so much pain. It felt like my body was 
fire or someone had stolen my blood during the night. Maybe I fought Superman. I don't know. I don't know what I did during the night, but just feel feeling absolutely miserable. And then they shoot um, for for some of the PTSD symptoms I have from my military time. Um, and the MDD, they're trying all these different things. And the magnetic rays hurt. I thought it was just going to be like, you know, rays, like right. something. But but they like, it's like, it's really annoying sounding. So so I'm with you. We live in the realm of the suffering. <laughs> We're in a fallen world. And we one way we deal with it is with science fiction and writing out fiction and thinking about how the world not necessarily how the world could be but practicing our it's kind of like how how little baby lions learn to hunt by playing i think right. it's very important that adults learn how to think and process the world by practicing in fiction i had a i, I had, it's funny you mentioned the 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 weird dreams i had a uh, i guess maybe a fever dream monday night um where twitter was an actual physical landscape and oh, we were no. all we were all doing battle with swords and shields and i thought that if that isn't if that isn't a sign of the times right there i don't know what is but uh yeah i i, I feel like i the mag the magnetic therapy thing is kind of kind of a new thing i haven't heard of that uh doing so hopefully it uh it it does well and you make some progress on that so it's brand new. I mean, we live in a science fiction, really, which is yeah. another thing I, I talk about all the time. People are now trying to grow, you know, organs separately. We're talking about being able to replace meat by growing growing it <laughs> and things like that. Um, there's all kinds of strange things going on. And one thing that's going on is trying to move away from some of the medication side effects when it comes to mental illness and try to treat people like, is there are there other ways that we can adjust those neurotransmitters and those chemicals? Um yeah, so that's that's kind of what's going on. So, uh, in in terms of the in, in terms of the stories that you write, you've got a new one that has just come out, a new book, your third book in the Neodymium uh, series, Neodymium Sacrifice, which came out on the sixth. Uh, this is the third book in the series. You're working on the fourth one now, and you've got other stuff that you've written. So when you're when you're talking about transformative fiction, how are you looking at your process for writing? Are you you're incorporating life experiences or you are you trying to serve up a basis for people to sit there and say, you know, this is something this is something that we can all do. This is something that we can try to do. But you're basically kind of lining out a, a process for people to try in 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 adapting to their circumstances. How do, how exactly so, is this working? Yeah. So both things um, that uh, about 10 years ago, I read a neuroscience article. Um, this was, I think, I think I was either in the beginning of medical school or before going to medical school that talked about how thick, how it. I'll back up a little bit. It was talking about how fiction influences the brain and it linked to various different studies. And there's one study in particular that was fascinating on um, the mirror neurons and Reese's monkeys, right? They um, made a monkey so that it couldn't move. They paralyzed it. And then they had it watch another monkey do things. And they hooked both monkeys up to a series of electrodes and MRI screenings and other things like that. And they found that 
not just, it was fascinating, not just were the areas of the observing monkey's brain lighting up that you would in the sensory cortex, but there were areas in the premotor cortex that were lighting up. For example, when the monkey, when the other monkey eats a banana, the monkey that's watching is acting in the premotor cortex as if it's eating the banana. And this hmm. is fascinating because the difference between the premotor cortex and the motor cortex where you actually do things is just a flick of a switch in the basal ganglia. It's literally writing the software program that you're about to run. So what does this mean? This means that when you are observing you know, a scene in television or you're reading a scene in a book, you actually are recreating that event in a realistic pattern in not just your sensory cortex, which is obvious, and they've evaluated the word cinnamon can actually cause you to light up the same part of your brain as if you are smelling cinnamon, huh. right? The, the olfactory and memory is all linked. Right. So the fiction has this, this power to be practiced for what we're doing, right? So I think the writer then has the responsibility with what we're making and the power of science fiction, of course, is you can talk about the current times or other times without talking about them right it's it's a science fiction is a really good way to couch and and hide and discuss things that sometimes it's more difficult to discuss outright right. or that you won't discuss outright without having a nasty twitter fight and then it's pointless and nothing happens but when you cause the person it's the same way that it's the same reason that like you know the messiah the the you know jesus told parables right because if you walk somebody through the process of a story you're actually taking them through this life experience. So this also makes what we watch important because we can, obviously, there's a certain responsibility with what you ingest, right? If you are watching somebody murder somebody, that action is happening in your premotor cortex as if you were doing it. And the same as if you're being the victim. So there's a lot that goes on and goes into what we inhabit. So I think that the writer's responsibility is more than there's a writer I, I was very disappointed in who talked about how the reason he kills off characters is because he wants to make the reader suffer. So he tries to pick whichever is going to make the reader suffer the most. Huh. And and I think actually the writer has a responsibility to try to move the label forward. We live in a world full of, of horrible trauma, right? My, um, I, I was a sexual assault medical forensic examiner uh, in the military right before I got out, which is part of the reason I'm a little bit messed up. And I saw some really horrible things. I've also held dead babies in my hand where I could feel their skull breaking under my fingertips, right? Terrible, 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 terrible things. And there's not just a therapeutic aspect to the reader, but also the writer, obviously, for obvious reasons. There's a scene in Neodymium Betrayal, um, the second book, where Jay, um, he's surrounded by dead enemies and he's clutching the jawbone of a dead space pegasus he used to fight them off. And he's exhausted. His nervous system's overwhelmed, so he's in pain. He just escaped his, this refugee fortress where a computer program had turned his technology against the inhabitants. So the kids and people were trapped inside. And so he's exhausted after in this aftermath. Um, and it's actually a, uh, a science fiction copy from a text in the Tanakh or the, the Jewish Tanakh, the Christian Old Testament. It's actually a science fiction version of that, of an actual event. Um, and he's just, he's just exhausted and he's crying out to this, you know, 
big powerful friend being he was supposed to have um, this kind of interdimensional energy being who's supposed to be his friend he's kind of asking you know why didn't you give me the power to save this situation and that's my cry from when i was working in sexual assault and from before that obviously with the babies and the idea that if we could only have tried xyz or if i had had this support or this thing had happened if i'd had the power to do this or that we could have saved this person right. or this sexual assault survivor might have gotten justice instead of mistreatment why didn't i have the power to save them why didn't the people who are supposed to help help just this overwhelming and i think it's important that we have those sad and real moments in fiction like i said that's a moment that comes both from a historical event and from my feelings it's important that we have those moments because there's two ways we can deal there's three ways we can deal with darkness one we can wallow in it we can enjoy all the nastiest and meanest and cruelest things and we can be like yeah that's fun like when we uh, there are you know i remember when i was a teenager hearing about other teenagers who would sit and watch videos of people actually dying because they thought oh that's fun and great it's like we can do that with the darkness that's one way to deal with the darkness just let it inhabit us or we can ignore it a lot of morality plays are like this like oh and then a deus ex machina came down and everything was saved and yay it's all right. good which doesn't you know that's the story that i think turns most people away from talking about the deep questions because they know that's not how life really is or we can talk about these questions we can work through this suffering this suffering and we can understand both evidence-based and mentally healthy ways to live not in a preachy it's not going to be perfect way but in a, a a way that we incorporate what's real right and so that's that's what i mean by transformative fiction it's kind of this blend of understanding neuroscience and also understanding the therapeutic aspect of the writer there's plenty of studies about how healthy it is to write um, and then also the impact on the reader and the reader's responsibility the writer's responsibility to look at the world around us i have a friend who has an orphanage in liberia right now her name is isabel um it's his hand support ministries dot com slash liberia or dot org slash liberia if you <laughs> Um, so, and, and, you know, she sees every day, we had a kid die of malaria a couple of years ago. There's one right now who's in the hospital with this terrible osteomyelitis and there's, there's real things going on in the world. There's real suffering. And so how do we then respond to that? And how do we take our suffering, like being in pain all the time and turn it into something positive? Because I discovered, one thing I discovered as a physician and as a writer was I couldn't, I didn't write well about PTSD until I had had it or had patients who'd had it. I wasn't a gentle and patient with folks with disabilities until my siblings had severe disabilities and, you know, are now nonverbal. I didn't really understand depression until I'd gone through it myself. So in some ways, actually, there's, so there's a place, um, again, I don't know why I'm quoting the old books so much but there's a there's a pastor that says blessed are those who mourn for they will they'll be comforted in in a reality like your mourning and your suffering and the terrible things that you've been through can be a way for you to then comfort others and be a comfort to yourself there's actually power in your pain and that doesn't mean you have to be a writer it could be that you turn your experience of homelessness into you know you understand what resources to help homeless youth or you turn your experience of having cancer to teaching middle schoolers how you know that smoking is bad or you channel all that energy and pain from something terrible that you experienced into making beautiful construction houses in, in your job for people there's many ways to use pain as power and that's i think a big part of not just the human story but 
why science fiction can be so powerful. Now, sorry, that was a long, <laughs> a long that's spiel. Okay. That's okay. Uh, now, uh, quoting scripture uh, now has me wondering how much how much your faith impacts this as well, because you know there are people like like you say there are people who are very nihilistic, people who are just. You know, we're just going, we're, we're all going downhill and everything is black pill and we're all going to die and that's the end of it and everything, right? And then you have people that are cautiously optimistic. You have people that are still, you know, they've got the Pollyanna glasses on and everything's going to be fine. We just, you know, have to get there. And it, it has me wondering if, if there are people out there who are essentially not necessarily blind, but they don't want to see the the suffering, the pain, the 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 situations that call for somebody to do something. And when you get into that from a story standpoint, how much does that factor in, you know, with with, with your faith in what kind of characters you have, what kind of situations that you have in your stories? Does that does that come into play at all? That's a huge question and one that I would rather not answer, but I'm going to answer it because we're here to. Well, you don't, you don't have to. Don't, don't feel don't feel obligated. You don't have no, to. No, but... I think it's necessary to, to again. It's necessary to have these kind of conversations. So, um, uh, I've I've studied how to put this succinctly and well, and also not have everyone in the world hate me. Um, I've studied you're, a lot. Jen, of... you're on the internet. Somebody is going to hate you. It, <laughs> they it, all hate the me anyway. Go, right, right, yeah, it's 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 happened. I've been canceled by many sides in many different ways. It's always been astonishing who who does that. Um, yeah. From I had alt-right stalkers trying to cancel me, and then I had some um, left-wing somebody from Britain who was completely useless in social justice and anyway people get mad but <laughs> the uh the bottom line is um especially for the last uh, seven years but really for the 20 years prior um, i spent a long time learning trying to understand some of these ancient texts that people talk about in their original languages right because these especially the tanakh which is common to both christians jews and then some muslims um that you know and then a lot of philosophers as well um especially trying to understand in its original because there's so many things that with translation change right, meaning completely right. so spending that i will definitely say that spending that time investigating that and the brit or the christian new testament um both of those things and 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 you know when i was trying to uncover what is the reality of the universe to you know to try to figure out what it is um, I was studying Buddhist texts, I was studying Taoist texts, um, I read a little bit of the Quran, not much, um, but, you know, trying to understand what's actually out there. And I think that does influence my fiction a lot, because there's this question of what's going on in the bigger picture. You have everybody's, you know, everyday struggles, like what, you know, how, how are they going to survive and stay alive? But then you, at the same time, have um, these, these, you know, kind of older teenagers, you know, young soldiers starting to figure out that the things they do have an impact on a much bigger scale. And what is that? And what's beyond? And what's what's out there? Um, and there is actually a character who begins to study and investigate old archaeological texts as a part of trying to figure out who he is and understand understand life. 
Um, and I think that is an important, the search um, is something that we kind of stop doing when we get too comfortable. No. Just like you were talking about people who kind of don't want to hear about suffering because we get one problem is we get news that makes a lot of money off of suffering right so we're a little tired of being bombarded with everything is bad all the time and no solutions because it's it's not they're not going to get money if they're presenting these people are doing this good solution right so you have that bombarding yeah and people want to turn off but one thing people want to turn off to is searching and trying to understand what's what's out there um, we kind of just accept what some you know high school biology teacher told us or what you know our parents told us or whoever and we don't dig and so i think that does influence my fiction very much and especially when we're talking about the search for um, the, the search for meaning the search for suffering there was a um, psychiatrist named Viktor Frankl who was a Jewish man who was put in the concentration camp by Nazis during World War II and his work on logotherapy um, you'll find it floating around if you're ever hospitalized for depression you'll find it on a shelf somewhere um, the big seminal part of his work is as he was observing who survived concentration camps and who did not right this is firsthand experience um, one of the things he observed is having this, having a meaning and a purpose is what helps people survive. So that kind of, from the thing that I have found to find meaning and purpose um, has been my Messiah. And these stories, um, I don't think, I don't like to consider them religious stories because I like to consider that they're available for everybody and that everybody can connect with them. But I will, I will admit there's a huge section of the stories that's about, because we're talking about surviving suffering, how do you find meaning in that? And who do you find meaning in is it your friendships is it you know a higher power where is that and what is the right higher power because sometimes they clash and they hate each other and so you know there's a lot of investigation and, and logic that has to go into it so just the same way that my experience as a physician has made it so i i consciously and unconsciously put a lot of different actual therapeutic techniques in the book i'm making it sound very boring which publishers weekly said it was a romp it's not boring i promise but um, the, you know, put put in the the science makes me put in actual little scientific nibs, and similarly, trying to explore and understand the universe, I wouldn't go so far as saying I have faith because I get so discouraged and lost. I would say that something else has faith in me, <laughs> and on that journey, the that also obviously influences. You can't you can't be in water all the time and not be wet when you come out and touch a page. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and you know, it's it's interesting you say that about, you know, some some somebody having faith in you, and, and it does it. There are times that it's hard to to have uh, a, a measure of faith given what's going on around in in the world, and you look around, and you're like, how in the world could this be possible? That this 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 is happening, and you know, you go back to the book of Job, and and Job's like what's the deal? Why is, mm -hmm. why is all of this going on? And God's like, you don't have any right to ask me, but I'm going to tell you. Um, and it's, and it's interesting that, you know, in, in the new Testament, having been written in Koine Greek, which is now a dead language that hasn't evolved in, in 2000 years, still has the original meaning to that language. And I think it's, it's interesting to go back to that text and see just how much faith in us as humans 
that uh, that's in that book uh, is that is that's in the New Testament. So I, I think you know on the one hand, yeah, you've got a lot of people out there that are just just have that close to giving up, and some others that are like, well, no, not quite yet, not quite yet. But in in your books, if you're if you're going that route where you you know what publisher publishers weekly calls it a romp. So it's obviously not going to be uh, a religious tract. It's not going to be a, uh, a, a you know a, a statement of faith or anything like that. So let's let's do this. We'll take a real quick break. We will get into the details of the new book, and uh, and then maybe talk a little bit about some world travels and and uh, the escape from the nunnery. We'll uh, <laughs> maybe do that when we get back. Stand by, everybody. Uh, we will be right back. We have fifty-two reasons to listen to this podcast, but they may change in six months. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Oh my goodness, that, Jason, is probably, I think, the hardest question you're going to ask. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. That's a good question, though. That's an interesting question. Question. That's a great question. Count on Sci-Fi for me to be there asking all of the questions. Um, it's another great question. These are all really good questions. Bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi for me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Good morning, Multiverse, Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Since it is this close to Christmas, we've got a little a little decoration out there, the, the Miser Brothers there on the shelf. Those are not mine. I hear you over there, yes. Welcome back, everybody. We are live from the bunker. Jason Hyde here, along with all of you. And uh, our guest today, Dr. Jen Finelli, who is uh, the author of several books, um, three of them so far, the Neo Neodymium. Did I get that right this time? Neodymium. Uh, the new one, Neodymium Sacrifice. And uh, let's let's get into a little bit about what the actual book is about. I, I, I wanted to, to mention, because it transitions really well into that, um, when you when you mentioned the book of Yov, there's an aspect of it where it is that central question of, and, and we translate this very strangely in, in English, right? Everyone thinks of Satan, and, and, you're, and people are welcome to think, I'm not trying to bash anyone's belief, people are welcome to think what they want to think. Um, historically, Satan wasn't this this like horned devil who's like e -e -e -e, it's nighty right. with flash i want to get you in in yov hasatan me literally means in hebrew the accuser yeah. so he's really tempting you know the most high and he's saying job doesn't deserve all these good things you've given him if he really was going through any kind of suffering he would become bad immediately so the question really is is job worth keeping alive is job worth it and the most high's answer is yes watch anything you do he's still going to be you know who he is so it really is a story about the most high having faith in this person and then this person on the then the story it flips at about chapter 40. um it flips and then it becomes the question of can this person understand 
why they're being allowed to suffer. And instead of being told the prequel stuff that it's because the Most High believes in you, he's instead told it's because the Most High knows something that you don't know about the world. Just like yes. the Most High knows about ostriches and all those other random leviathan animals in there. Um, Neodymium Sacrifice is a science fiction metaphor about feeling worthless and wanting to die with references to psychological realities like sublimation, medication fears, body dysphoria. Um, so there are actual psychological and mental health techniques characters use to survive, survive based on real things that prisoners of war, IRL, have used um, or that, you know, I've used and, and learned myself in my battles with the with the darkness. And it does all go back to that question. There's a, a scene at the very end um, where a character is struggling with this deep sense of defeat and worthlessness after everything that's happened in the other two books, kind of wondering about the point of, of their life at all. And someone says to this character something that I wish and I hope that all of us get to hear in, in, in our darkest moments. And it's this nod to the idea. I don't want to spoil it because a major character dies in the third book. Um, and so the character that's going to die says to the other character, basically this nod that they are doing this because that person is worth keeping alive, no matter what they think. And the quote that they quote in a dead language is actually in Hebrew. And it's from the passage in Yov where it's, um, Va'ani vadati goali chai, and I'm saying it quite wrong because I I'm nervous. Um, but essentially, it's I know that my goali, the person who buys me back after, like in the book of Ruth, right. when um, she and Naomi are coming back, they're very poor and they don't have anyone else to help support them. The goali, what Boaz is supposed to be, is the person who buys you back and brings you back to where you are, gives you a place, and obviously in Boaz and Ruth's case, marries and gives you love and a future and a covenant, right? So the, there's this question that I know that you are worth it, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. There's no magic sweep down deus ex machina happening right now. We are suffering. But I know that somewhere out there, your goali is there, and you are worth it, and you are going to be bought back from this. Um, and I think I cried when I wrote it, which is very baby and weird, but I'd been going through so much because if you, once, once you see people die that you were trying to take care of, it's like, what could I have done differently? And yeah. am I even worth it? And when you're in severe pain all the time, not so bad now, I'd say right now it's like a two, but some days, you know, I can do nothing but roll around on the bed or, or sit in the fetal position position. And just wonder why am I even alive if I if I'm in pain all the time? I can't do the full clinical work I used to do. Um, I lost a lot of my my dignity really, and everything everything I'd worked for when I had my collapse at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020 in the military. And so so this question like why am I here if I'm just going to be in pain and I can't help the people I want to help because the bad guys seem so much stronger than me. Yeah. And it, so when I wrote the words and saw them reflected back to me on the page, it was just this overwhelming sense of, of, of almost inability to grasp that truth. And that's the truth that I want to share with other people, regardless of whether they believe the same thing as I do. Obviously, like Paul would say, I want everyone to be like I am, except for these chains, right? I, I would like people to not have to suffer to get to the point that they need to be. Um, but for everyone who's suffering, regardless of where they are in their search for the center of the universe, I really want people to hear this manifesto and this idea that 
You are worth it. There's something you've got to do that is worth it. And even if you feel like you're a net loss to the universe, unfortunately due to Malthusian theory being taught in high school still, even though it was debunked almost 100 years ago, a lot of people believe that, you know, the human population is, we're all extra, you know, and who becomes the extra? Who becomes the the one who shouldn't have been born, right? right? And But actually, every single person is an asset. It just takes one George Washington Carver to disprove the Malthusian theory, right? Because Malthus predicted that the human population was going to collapse by the 1800s because he didn't predict all of these agricultural changes. And people continue to make agricultural changes well into the 20th century that completely revolutionized. And so, yes, you can be you can have a Hitler. But you can also have, you know, amazing people like Mary Slessor, who revolutionized what was going on with Igbo women in Africa. Um, there, there's every person can, can be an asset and you are an asset. You know, who, whoever is listening, you are not extra. And even if you are in a dark place where you failed a whole bunch and there seems like there's nothing that can lift you out of that. Somewhere your Guali is out there. And you're going to be bought back. Sorry, I'm making myself cry now because you know, I'm a little bit tired and weak today. I think that's my answer. Point, though, that's what the book's about. There's, there's, uh, there's a lot to that because when you have, uh, when you have a a a situation where you just are at the bottom. I don't know. Did we lose you? I'm still here. Oh, I think okay. my camera's stopped yeah, for a second, but you keep talking and I'll refresh the camera. Well, I think I think that's something that a lot of people need to be reminded of is that that each individual person has value. And and it may take a long while before figuring out exactly where your place in the world is, but the it's important to make that make that attempt to find it, find your place and and figure out what value you have. And, and as far as, as your work goes, you know, you talk about, uh, losing, losing some of the different opportunities to, to help people clinically and, and that kind of thing because of what you're going through. Well, now, now it seems to me like you're shifting into another opportunity here where you can help people in a different way. And, you know, in some of, you know, in your fiction work and your writing where you can actually maybe reach, more people in a broad sense because you know however many however many copies of your book you sell however many interviews you do however many people see that it's it's more than the one-on-one thing so maybe maybe there's an opportunity there for you to sit there and go okay this is what i'm going to do now to help people and and whether it's through your books or if it's news articles that you're writing you know opinion pieces that you're writing from places like usa today or or daily caller or wherever maybe that's just okay god says all right this is what you're going to do for now it'll change but this this is where i want you right now and people whether whether you have faith or not everybody's got a place and everyone has value and i think i think in this day and age especially with social media it's really easy for people to sit there and say, I don't matter. You know, I didn't get a like, I didn't get a, a retweet. I didn't get a, you know, a, a heart on my post. You know, nobody, nobody responded, nobody reacted. And we get so dependent on that, on that affirmation that we get from somebody clicking on something. And I think that's really done a lot of harm 
in in the overall broad sense and and social media to me is I'll say evil. I mean, I I really do think that social media has has more destructive qualities than anything than anything beneficial. You know, but I also I also am ready to go, you know, cabin in the woods and completely disconnect from everything. <laughs> so so, you know, I'm I'm I guess a bit of an extreme cynic at this point. Uh, but I do have I do have faith in people. I do I do believe that everybody's got a place. Everybody has a purpose. It just takes a little while to find that. And sometimes it takes learning from other people's experiences in order to find what you're supposed to be doing. And you know, there are people out there who don't want to don't want to listen to anybody else. Don't give me any advice. You're not me. You haven't lived my life. You don't know what I'm going through. I'm going to I'm going to go learn all these lessons by myself. And when they hit rock bottom, they don't have any place to go because they've they've turned away everybody that could help them. It's a problem. Some of us learn only with hard knocks. I'm I'm one of those unfortunately. Yeah. Well, it's very hard to learn some things. And it's 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 much better to learn from other people than learn by getting kicked a bunch. Well, you seem to be holding it together pretty well at least at least this hour. So, you know, that's that's some sometimes it's one hour at a time, right? So what's next for you? Where you're working on the fourth book and there's a contest of sorts. It looks well, contest? It's a let's see here. It let is, me it uh, is, let yeah. me put this up. You can be a character in the fourth book. Uh a team you put teams together. So how is this going to work? So right now, um, there's team fairies and team zombies. Fairies protect the environment and zombies care about brains. So if the fairies win, if they rack up enough points in this, this is a raffle copter system, but it's actually a contest and not a raffle. Um, there is a raffle going on as well. But if the fairies rack up the most points, I'm going to donate $100 to the Eden Reforestation Project and another environmental charity. If the zombies win um, the most points, which they are right now ahead by almost double, I'm going to donate to um, Her Future and another coalition that work to educate underprivileged children, especially young girls rescued from brothels. Um, so that's the con that's that part of the contest. And on the individual level, the individual who wins the most points, um, and you win po points with with easy things uh, like you know share this thing to share the con sharing the contest actually got people points to a secret invite and um, the winner is going to get a $25 Etsy Barnes and Noble or Walmart gift card one of the three or they can tell me what they'd rather a gift card do a um, $100 mp3 library all of my um, relaxation and science fiction mp3s and a $75 video request and they get to be a character in book four so it's like a two hundred or three hundred dollar value um I, and i'd already have the place i know the you know it just needs a name i have the the little place where the character's set uh, so that's that's what's going on now and then i also i i don't know um i don't know if if i sent the exclusive download in time you did yes and it's this one right here stories from my other universe 
Yes. So this book is not available in any stores or anything like that. The only way you can get it is if you have somebody that I have selected to allow you to have it. And I have selected sci-fi for me because I like sci-fi for me. And so um, you, the listener or whoever, you can get this from from Jason, um, you know, for for now um and uh and so that's kind of cool that's an exclusive download for listening to this interview cool and we will put that in uh in the chat and in the notes on the video so people can download that this is a collection of what three short stories in the neodymium universe it's actually more i only highlighted three but it's um it's it's and it's it's a forty thousand dollar forty thousand dollar no forty thousand word work um, so it's, a, it's actually quite long, and then it actually has a secret code in there to get updates because there's sections for stories that happen before Neodymium Exodus, stories that happen between Exodus and Betrayal, stories that happen be- between Betrayal and Sacrifice, um, and it's that each story can stand alone on its own, uh, and there's, I don't know how many there are, but there are more than three. I only mentioned three in the leading paragraphs because they were the most interesting for marketing description sure. purposes. Some things are really hard to write short descriptions of, like, you know, the early imprisonment of Jay and Dival is very difficult or or um, trying to save a gaggle of space lemurs from a, you know, it, it, intergalactic army it's just very difficult to explain so but there's there's more in there and like i said there's a special link in it that makes it an evolving thing so as as new stories are added basically you will have those forever um which is kind of cool now does this uh does this also oh wait a minute i think i, I now i did something hold on here there it is now does this um include uh anything from any other authors at this point are you opening up your universe yet because i know there are a number of authors they'll they'll have this ip they'll have this this main line of series series of stories and then occasionally the thing gets popular enough that the short story anthologies kind of open up to other people to play in the sandbox are are you at some point thinking maybe that might happen for anthologies i'm a little bit too much of a control freak so i i uh i and because it's like i know all of these backstories that couldn't fit in the you know the first version the first version of of neodymium exodus i wrote when i was 15 and it was 500,000 words Mm. then i cut it down to 250,000 words and an agent said no, <laughs> you can't have a 250,000 word debut novel. Um, and so then cut it down and, and rewrote it multiple times. Because uh, I, I learned early on from my mentor, James Beeman, that the big thing is you can't be lazy. So so I threw it away, rewrote it from scratch, like empty word document, like five or six times. Um, it, this series is really like 15 years or more in the making, more actually almost 20 years because i'm getting a lot older now um time passes really quickly now, now, but hold, the, hold, 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 yeah hold on hold on hold on you're not that old i look super young because of my asian genes but i've been a practicing physician for six years and it takes almost 16 years to finish the training um so i've i'm I, I, I'm older than i look i look like an 18 year old who's fat and depressed but i'm actually older than <laughs> 
Well, eight. I'll 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 take eighteen twenty. Not fat. Not depressed. You're you're, <laughs> you're doing fine. There, so. uh, but uh, yeah. So so. Um, stories from my other universe. Pretty excited about that. But it's funny you ask about other authors because because uh, when you mention like what's next, I'm I am kind of nervous about book four because it's gonna kind of wrap up some very very big themes. Um, and it, it might be the last one in the series if if it's looking like everything is going to fit in this one book. This might be a long book. This might be, you know, towards the tome tome side. But I'm allowed to get away with that because it's a uh, it's my fourth instead of a debut. But I am working quietly with a um, young writer who I've always she's not professionally published, but I've always liked her writing um, that she's shown me. And we are working maybe on a side novel about uh, mercenaries and bounty hunters, essentially. It would be about a young bounty hunter who accidentally, um, you know, kind of captures and then rescues this um, electromagnetic person and then kind of begins to uncover what it's like from her life on the sidelines and her past trauma, whether or not she's going to get into this war or this fight um, in any way. And uh, we, so we might, it, it might be pretty cool. There's going to be a lot of guns and a lot of snark and a lot of uh, space swearing and, <laughs> uh, and, and battles. So I think it's going to be fairly action packed. Um, but if, if that goes forward, cause there's, it's, it's, she's started writing and I've started editing her stuff and we've started kind of working together, but I don't want, I can't make any official promises yet. Wordfire Press has also said that they would take a look at it um so it it could be in the development but but we'll see so that's the only other authors that i've i've been comfortable um adding on but that so that might happen in the future do you have and i can't remember if i asked you this the last time or not do you have a particular story that you have a burn to tell but you know you're not quite ready to tell it yet that's my fear with book four because I've been waiting a long time and there's stuff at the end of book four that I've been wanting um, all my life to write that now it's it's about it's getting there and so we'll see we'll see if I can do it right once I'm finished with this there are actually some um, nonfiction like beautiful prose things that I want to write very badly and that's a, a difficult uh, market to break into and I'm not sure I have I've been collecting the wisdom over over the years and studying a lot of the of the topics and really digging into into different things um, I have to be careful to make sure that I'm pursuing truth and not my own opinions sure. so I'm not quite ready for that yet but that's what's probably coming in the in the next few I'm so sorry honey I can't no, answer that's, the phone that's, right now that's the boss saying stop talking about that Stop talking about that. We can't talk about that yet. That's actually the lady I was talking about um, is calling me the young, the young writer. But, uh, but so there's, there's a lot of things possibly in the works and I'm not leaving this universe entirely alone. Once we finish book four, there may be some side things and other, other items, but really this has been the thing, uh, you know, one of my, it sounds really morbid, but um, during 2020, when I was bedbound 
and I was not able to do really anything. Now I'm seeing some patients again and doing telehealth and doing patient education and getting ready to get an ultrasound machine for my indigent clinic in Paraguay, getting my license transferred over to Paraguay little by little in April. We'll be there and we'll be hopefully starting to work with indigenous people supporting their medicine, but also supporting Western medicine. So I'm, I'm working on those things. But in 2020, when I was bedbound and couldn't even go outside of the house because of how bad both the PTSD and the, the fibromyalgia were, um, there was a period where I felt so useless. And the one thing that I was like, well, I can't die until I've finished this series. So I have to just keep being alive and wait. So very morbid. But in a lot of ways, this series was, you know, the thing that I've been... I, it's not like other things I've written. I've written a lot of, you know, I've been professionally published with short fiction, and then I've had other, you know, stories like that were novellas or that were practice or that was because I wanted to prove a point, like Becoming Hero was my my angry manifesto about the comics industry um, and, <laughs> and injustice in the comics industry, right? It's so like th there were things like that that I've written for for to write them right. but um these I, I mean each one has been literally recrafted um and it's not some people when they write they can churn out a book a month um and i can't do that because i've been wanting to make these right and even even in their release form every now and then when i go through them i'll be like yes this is perfect and the other times i'll be like ah i should have changed this word this word should have been changed, yes. <laughs> even after working on it for 10 years. Neodymium exodus sometimes has words where it's like, mm, I, I should have changed that. Um, so I've gotten faster as we've gone through the years. So rewriting Neodymium exodus took, um, you know, like 10 years. Betrayal um, only needed three or four rewrite drafts. Um, sacrifice only... I took the rough notes and it and it really only needed two or three. Um, I'm having trouble. I've already in the first because I've been doing it um, pretty aggressively since in this year, I've already rewritten the first half of the book, like thrown it away and started over five times. Oh, wow. Um, so I, I want it to be good. So th this is my um, this is my burning burning story. And then hope my hope is once I'm done with it. I'll be able to gather my little, I want an army of 1,000 people who want to be heroes and want to change the world. And this is one way I want to gather them. I'm going to gather them up and, and encourage them and then feed them with, with other stories and ideas and things that maybe aren't as bulky uh, and, and heavy um, and maybe a little more practical and applicable to their daily lives. So I've started a new superhero channel, Becoming a Real Life Superhero, where we try to analyze, like, how would you really do uncommon good? Um, and so that's a little bit more practical. So moving, using, moving from the science fiction space to the, what if you're a character in a sci-fi right now? What do you do about that? So... What about you writing in somebody else's universe? Have you thought about that? I have. Yeah. So I have two that I want to write in very badly, but I'm going to wait until I finished uh, uh, this last book. And then I'm going to ask Kevin J. Anderson, since he owns the publishing company I'm at, if he can recommend me for there's two franchises that. I know they're looking for people with underrepresented voices like mine, 
not necessarily i don't know they necessarily would i think i'm a trojan horse <laughs> I, I come in in certain ways and then do something unexpected and there's two franchises that i really that he's written for that i i'd like a recommendation to see if i can swoop in and just drop there's one story i want to write in each franchise that i wanted to write since i was i was 15 but i won't name them because um well i can think of one a, in particular that he's written for <laughs> he's i mean he's so <clears throat> prolific um he it, it was funny because when he when i was accepted for publication and i got the initial letter from him um, which by the way was as intense as the day i got married it was it was like i i couldn't i almost couldn't believe it um, and because I've been working for it for, you know, I've had over a hundred rejection letters. I've, you know, had many people tell me, why are you writing this story? Write something else. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is the story that's in me. Uh, but when I got, I, and I had forgotten, but he had written my favorite Star Wars book, Jedi Search. And I didn't realize it until after, because there's some scenes in there that have just stuck with me and some ideas that have stuck with me. And I, I didn't realize until after I got accepted. And I wrote to him and I was like, actually, you, know, you wrote, you you wrote one of my favorite books. Uh, so it, I don't know, he's very prolific and he's written something in everybody's, you know, universe i think he he's he recently wrote a, a superman um novel and he's written in obviously some star wars stuff he's written in the dune prequels i mean the, yeah he doesn't he doesn't need a plug because he's very famous right. but that's that's what he's up to <laughs> well good luck with that uh and and good luck with the new book it is neodymium sacrifice it is out now on shelves and in bookstores and online and of course we've got the link to download the special you can't find it anywhere collection uh except to download it from us which uh, i appreciate you you giving us that link as well now uh let's go through the various different places where people can find you by jenfinelli.com is the website and uh you can also find her over on Twitter. We're gonna. I'm. I'm gonna update all of the links in the in the notes here. Uh, she's on Instagram. She's on Facebook, and on YouTube. And I'm probably going oh, through some of one. the. No, oh, no, not that one. No, we don't show anybody that one. And there's the other interview that we did so long ago. So all of that is going to be in there. So we'll we'll make sure we get the right. Uh, the right YouTube link in there and uh, and make sure that everybody can find you in places you want to be found. And uh, we'll definitely have you back it sooner than two years from now. You right? really did your homework. I haven't deleted that old channel, but that was my channel when I was a teenager. <laughs> so people want to see me being a crazy and dumb teenager. Now, let me ask, <laughs> let me ask you this. Are you still doing the ASMR? Um. I took I'm I took a hiatus for a little bit because I want to do more sci-fi focused ASMR and folks weren't weren't into that sci-fi and history and the history research takes you know I spent six months reading primary sources for you know Viking and Japanese Meiji and other other medicine and updating once a week just really isn't um, really doesn't really really doesn't allow that kind of quality so i am but i'm doing it very sporadically okay. uh, i'm much more excited about the the hero thing i'm going to be doing every week because i think i think everyone has this hero in them so 
All right. Well, yeah. st- stick around after the show. Let me make sure that I've got all of the correct links. In the meantime, all of you can find us at all of these links. We're on all these different social media platforms, in spite of the fact that they are evil. Um, we've got uh, Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, and Twitch. The video platforms you can find us. You've got a, a newsletter there you can sign up for. And uh, make sure that you're connected with us because we are just that close, that close to number 500 coming up on December 30th. And we're going to announce a number of different things for 2023. Very excited about that and uh, excited about Friday because Friday we're going to have, let me find it here, Friday we'll have another open line edition so you can catch us on that and uh, share your thoughts about various different things. And uh, like I said, we will put all of the all of the channel links and all of the social media links for Jen in the in the notes. Give me a chance to to push some buttons here, and I'll update that. And uh, and you can find her. Download that anthology in the meantime, and we will be back with more uh, on Friday. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 